0: Welcome to Postscript, the American Society for Pharmacy Law's podcast. My name is Henry Hine, and I'll be your host here today. The American Society for Pharmacy Law, ASPL, has an annual conference in the fall entitled Developments in Pharmacy Law. We focus with presenters, experts, and speakers providing the latest and most important developments in pharmacy law each and every year. We have over two dozen speakers this year at the conference. The conference is being held in San Antonio, Texas, November 2nd through 5th, all are welcome. This year we have two featured speakers. We have Arkansas Lieutenant Governor Leslie Rutledge coming down, and we got Al Carter. He's been a couple of years now executive director of the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy. Attendees of our conference can receive 15 hours of CE in Pharmacy, There's 15 hours of CE and law, and if you need both, you can get both, 15 in each pharmacy and law. To register for the conference, uh, just go out to ASPL.org. So this podcast series, we, we feature a few of the conference speakers with two main goals in mind. Give them a little opportunity to enlarge on that agenda, a little description in the agenda that describes their background and who they are, let them enlarge on that where are they in their career now, and how did they get there. Um, Separately, we'd like to give them an opportunity just a little bit, not the whole presentation, but a little tidbit about the presentation, what the topic is, how it might be important to pharmacists, attorneys, and or pharmacist attorneys. Today, we're honored to have um, Todd Nova. Todd, can you hear me? I can. All right, Todd. Welcome on the show here. Um, and thank you for coming and thank you for coming to the conference and and doing a presentation for us. Um, let's, let's start, like I pointed out uh, earlier, let's start with
1: your background. Where are you now presently in your career? First of all, thanks Henry for, for the opportunity to, to, to talk with you today. Appreciate it. So where am I in, in my career? That's a, that's a, I'm not exactly sure, right? To know where you are, (laughs) you, you, you have to have some relativity and and you don't know necessarily where life is going to take you, but Um, I I guess uh, the short answer would be uh, I've been practicing health law for around 20 years focused on uh, pharmacy uh, and and pharmaceutical supply chain optimization, both from a a supply perspective as well as the reimbursement and payment perspective with uh, obviously incident to that is is the licensure um, survey certification issues pharmacy practice, both in integrated delivery networks and retail chain pharmacies. So uh, how did I get there? Um, how did any of us get where we are? You know, uh, it's a turtle on top of a fence post, as they say, right? I, I, I was very fortunate to have some amazing mentors and people that that helped me uh, over the years. Before before I went back to law school, I was a uh, consultant, systems integration consultant with Price Waterhouse which is a a nice title for a computer programmer. So back in the in the day when when websites were just becoming a thing, my job was to help hook in those those web front ends with the legacy mainframe. So I come at a lot of uh, the work that I do from a data-driven perspective, very very methodical, and and I think that that, that background has served me well over the years. Uh, because while I'm not a pharmacist, I, I I think I think like because the answer is either right in a pharmacy. If you're a pharmacist, and Henry, I know you are, it, it's correct or it's not. And if it's incorrect, there there is very real patient harm on the back end. Well, I come at it from a computer programmer perspective, and either the program works or it doesn't. So so when we structure a regulatory analysis or 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 even negotiate a contract. If something doesn't reconcile, if you can't coordinate any element of a contract or regulatory analysis, it doesn't work. And it has to. Law is by nature very, very precise, and and I enjoy that. And 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 so that's that's where I am in my career at this point.
0: Wow, I, lo- I love the the connection in the background. We're you know doing the the web interface and yeah, computers. It's black or white it's you know positive you know yeah the answer either comes out right if you have a this if then you know type you know i mean it's just it's either right or wrong and i like that looking at the law if you can just plug it in and figure it out and get the right answer wow that's great background really appreciate that and let's let's
1: move on you're coming to the conference what is the title of your presentation? The title of the presentation is Current Trends in Retail and Specialty Pharmacy Pricing Compliance, Balancing Opportunity and Risk. So I'm hearing opportunity and risk. So what's, you know, a little tidbit, what's the opportunity yet? Yeah, increasingly we are, uh, or, or or maybe it's not increasing, it, it's always occurred. Where retail chain pharmacies, integrated delivery networks with retail and specialty pharmacy operations, mail order, home infusion, central fill, anything in the pharmacy supply ecosystem, are looking at how to optimize uh, market share, and that's appropriate, and how to make it how to make it more efficient. Naturally, along along with that approach comes regulatory over. Uh, so. Uh, beneficiary inducement issues in particular, billing, government programs, um, usual and customary, right, best price concepts that we see throughout the pharmaceutical supply chain ecosystem. And so a lot of organizations historically, and, and I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with membership programs and some of the challenges associated with that, but It it goes beyond membership programs to copay waiver programs, price matching programs, and any other uh, advertising health fairs. Right there's all kinds of interesting things that you can do to get the message out about your the care delivery models that are being implemented. And so, along with those opportunities, right, always comes risk and regulatory risk. And one of the things that we are seeing is an increasing and continued increase in focus on pharmacies. I think, in no small part because of their size and their growing importance, right? Care is continuing to migrate from the traditional ambulatory slash acute setting to self-administered and home-based care. That increases the role that pharmacies and pharmacists play, right? We're also seeing not just the role of pharmacies increase, but also the role of clinical pharmacists. Again, whether it's an integrated delivery network, or on behalf of a, a retail chain that that's getting into some of those direct care modalities, all of those things mean that we are seeing an increased focus from both federal and state regulators. And inc- more and more in my practice, I get calls from clients saying, hey, we just got a contact from uh, Medicaid state agency or DOJ or OIG, or there's Ketam whistleblower actions, things that, that traditional healthcare providers, not that pharmacists aren't traditional healthcare providers, but Again, probably more the traditional ambulatory facility-based care hospitals. Okay. They've gotten really good at implementing compliance programs. I think if you were to plot the frequency of compliance investigations, they would continue to decrease. That's a good thing. We we have laws and and those exist for a reason. And they've they've built out very robust models for ensuring compliance with the ever-changing rules. Pharmacies are getting better at it, but in my experience, tend not to have systemic and structural processes in place to help, you can never insure, but to help increase the likelihood of compliance, right? Uh, and, and if there is a compliance issue or error, it's either discovered so that you could self-disclose it, which is always a much better place to be, or if, if the government or, or a third-party payer does identify the compliance risk, we can mitigate the impact of that and, and show intent was not to, to defraud, because that's another significant component. We'll talk about that. Intent, mens rea is a huge component of compliance in the pharmacy and healthcare space in general, and, and the government appropriately so takes that, that very seriously. And so, so, when we can look at what other, what we're seeing, uh, both from a case law perspective and enforcement perspective, I think it'll help the folks that attend that session focus their compliance efforts and, and coordination with legal as efficiently as possible and, and begin to to focus on the structural and systemic best practices. Uh, I'll be co-presenting with a friend and a, a consultant with whom we work quite a bit uh, in terms of uh, effectuating compliance investigations. His name is Brett Barlick. He's a, he's a wealth of knowledge, and he's someone that understands this space really, really well. And that that's ultimately the thing that we're going to talk about and that I believe this is a team effort. None of us can do this individually. These systems are so complex operationally, Uh, from a regulatory perspective, the data analysis, and there's the compliance best practice of objectivity with respect to the results of an investigation. You you do want that individual to be objective, right? The facts are the facts, which is why me as a lawyer and my law firm don't do the data analytics or the compliance investigation. We will engage a third party because when the government looks at it, they're going to expect objectivity, and if there's any any appearance of a conflict of interest in those in those compliance review results that can really frustrate and make much more difficult the the resolution process.
0: All right, you have covered so much there and it's a great topic for anybody that is in this space or trying to be in this space. Uh, you nailed so many different little pieces there in that presentation. That is wow. Wow, I, it sounds like a really good presentation coming here to the conference. I am going to move on here. I thank you for for coming here and and today and and presenting that that piece you just gave is just overwhelming um, excitement to come and listen to your presentation. Before we move on and finish, um, would you like to give some contact information, maybe LinkedIn, email, phone number, if anybody wants to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's great. You can reach me my email address. It's t uh, nova t n o v a at hallrender h a l l r e n d e r dot com. And I'm on LinkedIn at uh, just search LinkedIn for for Todd Nova, and I should come right up.
0: Alrighty, we really appreciate you coming on board here, Todd, today, and we thank you. And I want to thank our listeners to Postscript, the American Society for Pharmacy Laws podcast. Again, our fall conference development in pharmacy law is November second through fifth, San Antonio, Texas. And to see the agenda of the conference and or register for the conference go to ASPL.org. This is Henry Hine, your host, and we thank you for listening.